You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 12 of Podcast We're all we're going to do is watch Invisible because he cut me off at the pre-show. That is not true. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak. Sean. I think we need to switch it to something you, with like the Switch at this point. Because I haven't played the PlayStation the, now in two weeks. The Switch? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what you do with it, but I've just been playing my Switch nonstop. That's what the end's for, Nintendo. Yeah, but you don't even... We used my Switch this week, not oh, even your Switch. Oh my god. Alright, anyways. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We've already derailed and we're literally two minutes no, into the show. No, you derailed your own self. Thank you to everyone in the live chat for coming out to our show. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. Just search Podcast PXN and you will find us on there. The show always starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump Ooh, right slow in. Slow News Week. It is a little bit of a slow news week. Uh, but first up on the PXN news of the week is Google Stadia release date is November 19th. So I think we are very, we are both extremely oh excited. We for this. re-pre-ordered like, Founders Pack just yeah, to get them. We are so excited. Yeah, we aren't excited at all. I don't think, I don't think either of us are going to be, uh, customers of Google Stadia. Uh, I don't know what they would have to do to get me interested. Probably some exclusive, uh, games that are like amazing. That would have to get me, uh, interested in it, but I don't see them. Exclusives and a better deal on a Game Pass-like model than Xbox. Yeah. Personally. Because, right. I, again, we all said that Game Pass is the future, but... Mm. That would be a huge selling point if they can somehow undercut Microsoft with that stuff, just like kind of Hulu and Amazon Prime does for Netflix. But yeah. again, the whole streaming thing, it is not for us out here in northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area. No. It really isn't. No. I First off, I think it's such a weird messaging that like we just now got a release date for a console that comes out in four weeks, almost a month, basically. Oh, yeah. Like That's yeah. very... I, I don't know. I, I don't think Google has faith in this either, in a no. sense. It sounds weird to say, but I, I it think, just doesn't. I think Google's just hoping to put in a ton of money into this and hoping that it actually does something. Uh, they're kind of getting the, the big releases or whatever, like Destiny 2, um, Shadowkeep, the newest DLC for that. That's going to be on there. Uh, there's going to be Red Dead, I believe, is going to be on there. Which Red uh, Dead, the specs for PC was announced, and it's like 180 gigs. So I can right. understand the allure of yeah. streaming that. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, again, that's those, those are older games at this it, point. Exactly. And I'm not it, in for a word. You have to give us something that we can't already get elsewhere. Like, people already have Xbox One, PS4, or PC. Like, someone has one of those three items. Like, there is... You can't tell me there that Joe Schmo out there that doesn't own one of those three things wants to go play Red Dead Redemption two for sixty hours. And a lot of people, and I and I know Xbox gets a lot of crap for how it was touted, yeah. but a lot of people do use their systems as other devices, like yeah. as their Netflix device or whatever streaming service you use. Yeah, I mean it just makes sense that Google would have the same thing, but it's technically not a device in that it's not a console. I I don't know. I just yeah. I think that one they're gonna fall flat on their face with consumers i don't i think a very small minority is excited for this and two i think they're gonna discover exactly what all these companies did in the early 90s like the neo geo atari all these other companies that there really is only so much money that uh people are gonna shell out for consoles Agreed. i think having a perfect balance of three consoles is great right now yeah now don't get me wrong i love a one console future at some point we're never probably going to be there due to competition, but four yeah. is too much when, again, you're not seeing exclusives. The thing that they were demoing everything on yeah. has now been delayed till March. Mm -hmm. Doom was their demo thing that they showed everything on. Yeah. That's not even coming out of the launch day. No. So it's no. it's just dumb. A, a one console future, I don't see that happening. I see possibly like if it's a service like Game Pass or whatever, I could see that uh, all being acquired through one place like your TV or whatever, but... I don't ever see everything being in one place, you know, because even like movie industry and TV industry you have Netflix, Hulu, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. YouTube TV. 
there's just there's so many different facets you have to kind of watch out for so and have you even seen commercials for it I have seen a couple okay. actually. I, I just, I guess, I don't watch too much live TV, yeah. but I just haven't seen that much. I ha- I've seen a couple. I think actually last week I saw my first one. Um, it was on one of the shows I was watching on on YouTube TV. Obviously, that's what we, that's what I have. Like, I feel but, like they're just banking on the name Google itself to sell this stuff. Whereas, yeah. like, when kids are asking for something that they want, parents recognize xbox playstation or nintendo probably kids don't even call this thing a switch they just call it the nintendo and parents know what nintendo is that's what they assume all video games are right exactly uh so next in our news of the week we have league of legends coming to mobile and consoles the first lol man yeah so i i feel like uh (laughs) this is kind of a um result of call of duty mobile and fortnite mobile and all pub mobile and all these games that are popular going mobile and being so successful like fortnite i think on mobile is it just does astronomical numbers which is insane call of duty that, has been performing very well and it got yeah, very good reviews too and, yeah well, i heard a lot yeah. of people talking uh good things about it and also now with the controller support with bluetooth with the uh, dualshock 4 or with the xbox one controller you can use controllers on many of those mobile experiences now which is really great and actually comes at a perfect time with uh microsoft's x cloud um preview starting on android that's that's a perfect time for that because once it comes out for iOS, you're going to have that Bluetooth uh, functionality for using your own controllers that you're comfortable with on that xCloud experience. So that's really cool. It's um, just not a game. I know this is a huge game. Yeah. It really is a huge deal. Yeah. It is not a game, at least for me, and I yeah. don't think it's for you. We're no. not MOBA people. I'm not. Um, yeah. I get it. It is pretty much if not is i think it's in the top two of of esports yeah uh when it comes to what people play so it is a huge deal in that sense i'm glad we're talking about it but it's just not something that is going to entice me to still ever want to pick it up worldwide league is huge so like this is big news it's just not necessarily something we are interested in but i think the big news out of this is that riot games is really like gearing towards uh, targeting um, uh, Blizzard with with their games because Overwatch obviously is dominant in that first person uh, hero shooter experience, and they just announced Riot Games just announced they're working on a brand new first person shooter as yeah. well that's going to be in that vein. Uh, they showed a little bit of that, and they also announced like twelve other games this week as well. But I definitely think they're trying to gear towards that Blizzard audience, which is a perfect time for them to do that with all the kind of clouds surrounding uh, Blizzard at the moment. So And Riot has not been without its fair share of controversy, too. There's the sexism in the workplace and all that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just... I don't know. The only thing I'm questioning is I'm assuming they're just wanting to get new players because I feel like this is not something of an experience for older players. Right. Um, Because uh, we sound very quiet, by the way. We apologize. We're trying to work on it right now. But uh, League of Legends players, like, every time I hear anyone talk about that game, uh, they're always talking about, I have, like, a thousand plus hours in it. And... I, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of hours in a lot of games. I don't think a single game I have a thousand hours in, or multiple thousand hours in, at the very least. I mean, you and I have talked before that we put uh, probably a good hundred hours each into Zelda, but I can't see myself playing that for a thousand hours, even though I never collected all the Korok seeds and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guarantee people will download this. Excuse me, especially if it's heavily like fronted on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store or on the marketplace for Xbox and Sony. Yeah. I just I don't know who's gonna jump in and like really wanna this game's what, ten years now? Yeah. Ten years old, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's it's tough to sell me on a ten year old game at this point. Agreed. Like, I mean, we always talk about our backlog. So why do I want a game that looks ten years old? Absolutely. I agree completely. Uh, to the next piece of news, this is kind of uh, coming off the back of a news announcement that I kind of ranted about a few weeks ago. 
So Mary Olson is leaving 343 Industries. And when I say Mary Olson, I don't mean like Mary Kate Olson, like a Olson. Mary Dwight. Kate Olson? <laughs> yeah. First well, that's, of all, that's so weird to say without Mary Kate and Ashley Olson. <laughs> it, it, is, it is very weird to talk about. So Full House so, is being rebooted again. Yeah. This time without Aunt Buggy. Yeah. So this is completely different than that. Uh, Mary Olson, who is, she was one of the lead campaign producers at 343 Industries has left uh, this week. There was a lot of people that were saying, misconstruing this, saying uh, that she was leaving after Tim Longo left and she replaced Tim Longo, and that's not true. Tim Longo was the creative director at 343, so basically he was making the high-level creative decisions, um, not necessarily for Halo Infinite in particular, but at 343 in general, and Mary Olsen was kind of just specifically campaign focused. And she was basically just her job was to give the deliverables to all the teams. So she was basically a project coordinator, you could call her. She wasn't making like creative decisions at all. She was just helping coordinate all the teams together because you have the art team, sound team, campaign team, multiplayer team, etc. There's so many teams at 343 that you have to have producers that are there to kind of bring everyone together. So just to clarify, like this completely, uh, Unishek, John Unishek, who is one of the community guys at 343, he actually was a longtime Halo fan and he joined 343 um, a couple of years ago. He has already been on record stating that there's nothing crazy going on and John is someone that I believe 100%, 110,000%. I don't think you're on first name basis with them. You can say Mr. Whatever his last name John is. Unishek, he's, yeah, anyways... He's, he's not going to bullcrap us, so he has basically squashed all the things that people were saying, oh, no, this is this is going to prove detrimental for the uh, campaign for Halo Infinite. No, that's not true at all. They're fine. They have a plan in place. They, they have so many people at that studio. Two people leaving is not going to be a big deal. This is normal in the game industry. It happens. People are in and out all the time. That's the nature of the industry. People are trying to move up to the next thing, the next best thing. So that's not going to be a surprise for, for something like this to happen on a consistent basis. So I just wanted to squash that because a lot of people were freaking out like, oh my gosh, 343 is in trouble. It's not, not happening. So Can I just stop hearing about 343 besides, hey, the game's coming? No. That's all I want to hear. That will never story. shut up, Sean. We will talk about 343 all we freaking want. We'll talk about I just don't want to hear about them like, oh, this person less, this person less. Oh, I no. just want to hear I, about the game coming oh, out. No, I I don't even, I'm not even excited for Halo Infinite like you are. Yeah. I just want to hear that. Like, I, that's I, all. I agree. People need to quit reporting on this stupid crap. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absurd. So... Just to clarify that, uh, next news story is uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate will be Evo Japan 2020's main title. So this is kind of a big deal because uh, I feel like Evo and like all the fighting tournaments normally champion uh, Smash Brothers Melee, and that's normally like their go-to game. And the fact that they are saying like this is our main title uh, Ultimate on Switch. That's a huge deal, I feel like, for the fighting community and for Nintendo in general. Well, one, it's a big deal because they're finally getting over the hump of Melee. Melee is a GameCube game. Yes. Um, it is very old. I mean, it's been needing to get over that hump for all this stuff. Yes. Um, and there's a reason why they call it Smash Brothers Ultimate because of how many characters you have. You have every single one ever in a Smash Brothers game. Yeah. Um, I know, maybe not... Everyone in our audience or everyone in general has a pro controller, but that is legitimately the way to play that game. Yep. And I think it's better than the GameCube controller, to be honest with you. I tested that out at Best Buy um, to see if I wanted to pick one up like the Wavebird back in the day. Yep. But it is a very good controller specifically for that game, too. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of pros playing that. And for people that don't know, Evo is a uh, international fighting competition with fighting games. Yeah. Um, su such as like Tekken series, Soul Calibur, Guilty Gear, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom before it went awful uh, was part of it too. Now they still do some of the like older ones like 3 and 2. Yeah. But it is a pretty big deal that Smash Brothers is, not just because of the reasons I listed, but 
a lot of people don't actually consider Smash Brothers to be a quintessential fighter. Mm. Uh, I, I would, because I think it's not just in a sense of fighting game, like, uh, where you're just wrecking on somebody, but there's a lot of strategy to Smash Brothers, specifically in those, like, when you watch those uh, fights that are broadcasted, yeah. because uh, a lot of it's items off, so you don't have that randomness going on. And it's all about how you can use the move set of that particular character to damage the other one. Mm-hmm. I mean, past winners like Sonic Fox and other people like use Jigglypuff as their main. Yeah, there's a reason why they do. Even though you, as a casual, would just be like, "I, I don't like Jigglypuff. She has like no moves. I want to use somebody that's big and powerful." Yeah. So it is pretty cool that that's going to be front and center. Yeah. Uh, the sad part is, is for me, I actually really like the Guilty Gear series, and that's not part of it this year as far as the main. I don't know what Guilty Gear even it's is. It's this, like, 2D fighter um, that really got famous during, like, arcades and PS2 days. Oh. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's heavily Japanese, so yeah. very overly animated. But it was a really cool game. I remember buying it on the PS2, the first one. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, the last item on the PXN News of the Week is Witcher 3 is succeeding in reviews um, despite the graphical inequalities on Switch. And also, to kind of piggyback on that, uh, Overwatch that also released on Switch is struggling uh, performance-wise and, I believe, review-wise as well. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see because... Overwatch, you would think of as a traditional console multiplayer experience, you wouldn't think of that being like a great experience on Switch. Like, I never really understood why Blizzard wanted Overwatch to come to Switch because nine, 99% of the time, people love the Switch for its portability. So you're not going to be portable with a game like Overwatch because you have to have an internet connection. Like, that's what... that. that that to me that didn't make sense for this announcement from Overwatch on Switch because that doesn't really lend itself to this portability because you have to have an internet connection. Witcher 3 I completely get because it's a huge single player experience that you can experience all on the go. And while it may not be technically that great, uh, it's something that you can uh, it's a big RPG that you can just take with you. So now I will correct you at least on one thing on Overwatch, you can't play with bots. Mm. Um, I, I get it. It's not yeah, but, how it's intended to be. Right. It's intended to be an online game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you did want to play it on the go, you can play against bots, I guess, in practice. Yeah. More or less. It's, it's just not the same experience. It seems like the struggling is that internet infrastructure uh, itself. A lot of the reviews are saying that. Um, I will preface everything by saying the fact that you and I were not interested in getting either one of these titles on the Switch. No. Um, I personally like games that are already either made for the Switch, yep. or when you play them, you think, hey, this will be perfect for the Switch. Yep. Um, like, when we actually get to our games that we're playing, that's something I'll go into, but um, there, there's... It, I look at it like a PSVR. I don't like PSVR experiences that are tacked on after the fact. Yep. I like when they're made for For them. VR. Yeah. Yes. Like, it just makes so much sense. Like, the only game that I think successfully made a transition from a completely different model, in my opinion, is Peggle 2. I thought that was Whoa. great at the launch of Xbox One. Peggle 2. And then when it finally got released on mobile, obviously mobile was great as well. I thought both did both versions did, did very well. Did Peggle 2 come out on mobile, or yeah. was it a different version? I it was, might have been a different version, but it's yeah. something I played. I was thinking yeah. it was a different version, but yeah. Um, I, I am actually happy, though, that a lot of people are very happy with Witcher 3. Um... Now, it's a game that I only put maybe like 10, 15 hours in. It didn't grab me as I wanted to, mm. but I know it got a ton of accolades when it came out. Um, this is, again, showing what people should expect from CD Projekt Red coming in the spring. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the setting and all that, but mm. just their dedication to a game. So my question is, when do we get Cyberpunk on Switch? <laughs> when your Switch won't crash the second yeah. you even type that into your yeah. system. You put it in the cartridge and it just implodes. Yeah, there's no way. Though, I'm, you know what? I'm saying that now, and I did not think Witcher would. So True. You never know. I mean, they can take... Because a lot of reviewers are, are saying that The Witcher does suffer from a lot of graphical fatigue. Yeah. Uh, but it's stuff that you can overlook to have that on a portable system and a less powerful system. True. Which I agree. It's just not something that I am willing to... I, one, jump into, and two, I don't really think I would be okay with that knowing what it can look like on a playstation or an xbox yep 
Uh, even base PlayStation is what I had it on. Yep. And it still looked amazing and pretty. Is it going to look that way on your Switch with the screen? So. Yeah, heck, even when it came out on Xbox One, OG Xbox One, it still looked great because mm-hmm. the game came out in 2015, 2014, 2015. I want to say it's 2015, yeah. Yeah, 2015, and the Xbox One X wasn't a, wasn't a thing. The Xbox One S wasn't a thing. So 15. the original Xbox... Uh, one still performed very yeah. well, and and that wasn't very as powerful as the PS4. So. Yeah, I mean, I lo- I love these ports. Don't get me wrong. As far as that, companies are showing love to the Switch. I mean, it's very actually kind of sad about the Overwatch thing because I think Blizzard did such a great job with Diablo 3's port to the Switch. Yes, I yeah. loved that port. I thought it was better than actually on the PlayStation. I love um, Diablo 3, yeah. so on the Switch, I cannot even imagine. It's it, probably... it was it's so much fun. It did not yeah. lose any of its steps. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily, you didn't have any of that system that the PC got tainted with. No. Um, yeah. All that stuff. So, I mean, they did a very successful port for that. That's just not an online, all-the-time game. Right. So that's why that... I think was successful because they don't have to worry about that structure. Yep. I just worry that when these new consoles hit, hmm. what does that look like for the gap then for the switch? Cause right now that's great. They can, they can sacrifice some stuff. Like we know doom eternal, um, initially was going to launch side by side on the switch with the Xbox and PlayStation. But now that's gotten pushed further out yeah. than the March 20th, uh, yep. date. We're less. We're about a year away from the new consoles, which are going to be even more powerful than already their predecessors. Yep. The switches they always market kind of a little bit up of the PS3, Xbox 360 days. Yeah. So what does that look like for now third parties? Exactly. I, I don't know. It's it's going to be such a is it, difference in console generations. Though. Is is it going to be Wii U again, where nobody wants to put anything third party wise on the system? The only thing I I believe is because so many people use the Unity engine. I think it'll. It's still gonna have a long life. Yeah. I think it's just gonna be iterative. Yeah. Um, like how the DS line. I know everyone thinks of like your DS, your 3DS is two separate systems, but you could play all your DS games on your 3DS. True. So I feel like that's gonna be what Nintendo transitions to is some sort of, not a Switch Pro, but like the new Switch. New Granted, Switch. their names always suck. Yeah. But <laughs> Switch Pro. Yeah, but I think that's what you're gonna start seeing in the Switch in the next coming years is iterative yeah. stuff. Very possible. Uh, next up into our games we're playing, kind of to piggyback off of that, uh, we are playing a game called Killer Queen Black on the Nintendo Switch. Yes, so we talked about this last week. I mentioned this right as we were kind of getting off that I was very excited by this game. Yeah. Um, so I did buy it. Uh, Daniel and I were playing it on Sunday, and then I played it the last few days. I'm very high on it. He's lukewarm, to say the least. <laughs> I thought the game was, like, fun. It's just there are very frustrating elements about it that that I felt like the hit detection wasn't exactly tuned to what it should be. He's bad at games. In my opinion, no, I'm not bad at games. That's not true. (laughs) In my opinion, the hit detection feels, like, just, like, a little bit off. It feels like you're grazing over the character and it's not hitting them and then you get hit back and then it's very frustrating. But the game, the idea in the game... Uh, is a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. So this game cool. came out in 2015, I believe, in arcades. Yeah. Um, it's based off the game called Killer Queen, where um, actually it used to, the it's technically five v five in arcades, whereas on the Switch it's four v four. Right. But uh, three of you are worker bees, and one's a queen bee. Yeah. Uh, you can win a game in three different ways: either three kills of the queen, uh, you fill up all your hive with these berries, or you race a snail to the victory. Yeah. Um, which it's, it seems all kind of like kitty and stupid, it but there's actually like a, a lot of strategy to it because if you're not paying, if you're only paying attention to one thing, somebody can quickly steal a victory out from under you without oh, you yeah. realizing it. I mean, you have to have every single people person on your team working together and knowing where things are. And you have to have a competent queen. Yeah. So yeah, you do. Cause I was just playing before the, for this, I had two matches with a great queen who was defending me and all this other stuff when I was a worker, and then I just played a match with a horrible queen, and we lost all three matches by military victory. Um, The one thing I will say is, as much as this game is a total Switch game because of the pixel art, the portability, um, you can't, for one, you have to play it online, so you can't not play it offline. Um, You can do local wireless, like with just two people and bots, um, or you could probably have more controllers as well, but yep. it's not a portable game in that sense. You have to have some sort of internet connection. 
Um, my other beef with it is not on the makers themselves of the game. It is on Nintendo and their archaic um, internet, uh, i.e. voice chat. Yes. Uh, the fact that there's no proprietary device when it comes to the Switch. There's no plug or anything in here to yeah. actually put. And I was holding up a Switch for audio listeners. Um, to actually plug in. Can you plug into just, the headphones? Just yeah? headphones. That's oh. it. There's nothing. There's no Bluetooth device or anything like that. So yeah. people can com- uh, plug it into their actual switch on the dock itself, but not into their right. actual switch. So voice chat to help with strategy with online play is almost non-existent. Yeah. Um, and that can be problematic because I found out the last two nights when I've been playing that I can't communicate to somebody, hey, I need you to protect me. I'm on the snail because all they're doing is just running around attacking the queen. Well, all you have to do is download the uh, app and then hook up a couple adapters and then... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I do really recommend the game. Yeah. I, I, I am liking it. Um, I'm actually really liking... Um, I'm going to let you go on to your next one because I think it's a huge thing that happened this week. Yeah. Um, but I'm liking being back in my Switch again. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so my next one is, and I have to preface this saying, I haven't played Fortnite in a long time, but Fortnite Chapter 2 just released this week, and I have to say, I really like all the changes, a lot of the changes that they've made. Uh, so actually, visually, they revamped the game. I don't know if you knew that or not. They revamped the UI, they revamped the uh, um, actual world, like the the visual style. It feels more Pixar-ish than uh, cartoonish as it used to, like the art style. Uh, so it very much feels like an upgrade in that department. The gameplay is still very much the same. Uh, there's new weapons and stuff like that. Uh, there's like a there's like a weapon that you can that takes up two slots and it shoots out bandages. Uh, for your teammates apparently I, I was using that the other night i was like what the heck what's the point of this it shoots just like bandages out of the gun i'm like all right uh but the interesting things about this is to me the new world uh there's rivers that run between all of the new uh areas to go to and there's boats that you can drive boats up and down the rivers so that's pretty cool because obviously the old old map there was none of that in between so you pretty much had to get like uh, atv or something like that which they've taken out of the game now uh, which i don't know how long that's been out i haven't played in a while but uh, there's a lot more flexibility in terms of how to get from point a to point b which i like a lot now one thing i will say i don't like is they've reused quite a few locations that i wasn't expecting them to reuse they were marketing this as like a brand new map like everything was going to be brand new that's what i went in assuming and even when you drop in the first time they make you fill it fill out your map like fill in your map um and even throughout the entire game experience you have to fill in your map they're all question marks on all the locations when you started up the first time and you have to go to each location to unlock like what that area is. That's kind of cool. It is cool until you realize I, I filled it all out yesterday, and probably five of the ten locations are locations that are the exact same as what they were in the previous map. They just moved the location of where it's at, which I get, but at a certain point you gotta just start completely fresh I'd, I'd rather see new ideas in a new map and to me that's my problem as well they should have kept the old map as another option and like done... apex is doing now exactly yeah. and have a brand new map for new new people to check out like i as a new person coming back i want to see new things that i haven't seen before and me going back to areas that i've already explored already know where all the chests are that's the other thing i I dropped that one location and i literally went to the exact spot that the chests were when i last played Fortnite months ago and it was still in the exact same spot that's the thing they they really marketed this as something brand new as far as the map goes and it's really kind of a lie in that regard but overall i i really like what they did with it and i'll probably check it out a little bit more but i don't want to dive too much back into no that battle because pass, then. 
No, I, I don't want to dive too much back into that because I don't want to spend 700 hours in it again. Like, I spent a ridiculous amount of hours in it the first I time. I broke my Apex addiction. Yeah, I've been exactly. getting crap from my friends for not playing it, but I can't do it anymore. I think you should at least check out the new map. I, in my opinion, I think it's always good to check out I'm afraid what will happen if I... <laughs> You'll get sucked back <laughs> yeah, in. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I, I definitely, for the most part, like the changes they made. Uh, just disappointed in, you know, a, a little bit of uh, kind small, of execution. Minute, minute details, yeah. yeah. Um, so, for my other game, uh, going back to the Switch, uh, I talked about how I actually downloaded this demo last week and that I was very impressed by it, so I wanted to download the whole game. That's Ori and the Blind Force. Such a good um, game. I 100% agree. This is totally a Sean game. Uh, Metroidvania. Uh Pretty difficult at times, uh, not impossible, except for the impossible mode, which I am going to yeah. try. I would can't die would. once. Um, we'll see how that goes. I'm not, <laughs> not don't hold your breath. Yeah. Um, so I actually, if I had to rank my top Metroidvanias, like top five, like we always do, I would put this at the moment in, in my top five. Yeah. Um, I was so impressed with the visual story of mm -hmm. it all um right like from the get-go yeah like when uh naru uh essentially leaves uh i won't go any more detail than that yeah. um i was like oh my god poor poor uh poor ori like crap that sucks it's like you didn't even know these characters about a second and yeah. then i'm like oh god it's heart yeah um i you actually don't even feel that bad or like hate the owl i can't remember the owl's name now yeah um but like that's the main villain and you're like okay she's kind of justified yeah uh, on all of her actions and it was just such a pretty game um the i art will styles so oh good. my gosh yes um i did beat it uh i was hoping though my only complaint about it is the length i was really hoping for something a lot longer and it was maybe with collecting ninety-seven percent of everything, I had I did it in ten hours. Well, um, play it on play it on a uh, impossible mode. It'll take you seven years to finish yeah, it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll see on that one. Uh, but I I really did enjoy it. I am very now much excited for Ori and the Willow of the Wisps. Oh, yes. Um, my hope is that I don't have to wait long that it comes to a Switch. Because, uh, like you actually mentioned last week, there is actual reports on there that it runs better on the Switch than it does the Xbox, yeah. as far as the Blind Forest. Uh, but this is now a franchise that will be on my radar for a while. You better um, buy it on Xbox One X day one! Sorry, you don't have an Xbox One X. Yeah, nor am I going to buy it on Xbox. Mm, um, but regardless, I, I, I love this partnership still. I'm going to continue to support this Xbox games coming onto there. Uh, if it's more of these games that uh, could have a secondary home, I can only see good things from it. I really hope ReCore comes to it. Um, ReCore is really good. Specifically if they fix a lot of the glitches that I had a lot. I actually played ReCore on my Xbox. Did you play the, um, the Definitive, Definitive Edition? Edition? Yes. You did? Yeah, and the amount of glitches and issues that I had with that was very disappointing. Hmm. Um, because if I remember right, I wish I remembered the guy's name who actually developed it. Um, but he is, oh, he's the one that's doing Curse of the Moon, the Castlevania guy, if uh, I remember correctly. Um, wasn't he formerly of, uh, uh, the Mega Man creator? I don't Maybe know not. if it was Mega Man or not, I thought it was Castlevania. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not that in tune with that stuff, but regardless, the, it looked like such a cool game, and there was a lot of promise in that game. The glitches really took me out of it, but if that's a game that comes to Switch and they fix a lot of that stuff... Um, KG Inafune. Yeah, Mega Man. Yep. Yep. Um, that's all you had to say is Inafune, and I knew that part. Yep, that's what I thought. Um, but it took me out of that experience. But if it's something that could be on the Switch and possibly have that whole, hey, it's running better on this type of thing, that would be great. I thought it looks really cool, but please check out Ori. Yes. Um, it, it's such a fun game. If, even if you've already played it, I think it's worth a second go through. Thousand percent. Um, I always say that about any Metroidvania. Um, it, it just, it's a very beautiful game. Yeah. Um, the water temple is not as frustrating as people make it out to be. Yeah. I, I get it. It's frustrating, but it's not as frustrating as I thought it was going to be. And I hate really hard games and I love Ori. So like, it's not, it's not impossible. Or no, anything. it's not. So, um, 
I think we'll move into the topic of the show now, which we kind of decided that uh, with a slow news week, we're going to talk about ranking this generation of consoles. So I guess if we want to just kind of talk about our favorite things about each console and just decide what you think. So for this Let's do ourselves and our audience a favor. Let's eliminate Nintendo from this discussion yeah. because of them being in a transitional phase. Because yeah. Wii U technically led off this generation. Technically. And it was a massive failure because it came out yeah. a year before the other consoles. Yeah. Um, a massive failure where they had to reboot everything way earlier than they anticipated and launch a Switch. Yep. I think in the end, Switch will be probably more considered to be a part of this generation than anything, but... I, I just don't want to include Nintendo on it, even though it does have some genre-defining things that happen to it. I agree. So, I guess uh, we'll start with what our favorite um, our favorite consoles are and why they're our favorites. I think this is going to be pretty straightforward, though, because obviously you're the PlayStation guy and I'm the Xbox guy. So... Ranking them, in my eyes, is like where do you spend the most time and where are you most invested? And for me, I'm most invested, obviously, in Xbox One. And it's not because uh, necessarily that I'm a fanboy, so to speak, but where your friends go, where the community is, where you uh, enjoy the most exclusive first-party games, um, where you get the best experience for yourself i guess is is the thing see i was thinking like let this less as ranking the consoles ranking just the generation itself like combining xbox and playstation oh okay yeah so so no fanboy i thought you all. were saying no. ranking this generation no oh, okay. no like right, how right. do you see like this generational yeah. unfold in the end so i think that it's looked upon i think the interesting thing about this generation is that Microsoft started in, on such shaky ground and has ended on such solid ground compared to Sony starting on such solid ground and still being on solid ground. Now, even with some of the decisions that they've made, they they uh, obviously had the issue with uh, cross-game play and um, playing nice, so to speak, with Nintendo and Xbox in order to have cross-game or cross-play uh and i know now that's a thing of the past but uh it's very interesting to me that we started this generation saying xbox one is something that is going to be doomed for failure and i really feel like they phil spencer specifically has turned around microsoft uh in terms of gaming not just xbox but microsoft in terms of gaming with the pc initiative with xbox game pass with xbox one x with all the things that he has done and all the first party studios he's now acquired he has literally hit one thing after another he he even publicly talked about like hey i had a plan when i joined uh when i became head of xbox i wanted to create a platform that people wanted to play on which would be xbox one x i wanted to make sure that developers wanted to create on there which are the new first party developers and wanted he wanted to make it uh i guess accessible to as many people as possible which is game pass and uh xbox play anywhere which allows you to play on pc xbox wherever and i think that those three things are very very important to microsoft's success now compared to where they started and when they started they were saying things like if you want to play offline, go play Xbox 360. Famous Don Matrick line that he said uh, after the Xbox One launch of So you're saying then in so, totality you'll remember only this generation because of what Xbox did and didn't do? No, no, no. Let me get to... I'm okay. still getting I, I just wanted to make the, sure that you were I'm trying to, all the bases no, on it. I'm trying to get all sides. I'm just trying to focus on Xbox at the moment, but... That's what I'll think about when in terms of Xbox. PlayStation, I will think of it in terms of the beginning of the generation. They came out just blazing. They came out throwing the punches from the get-go from that first E3 where they were basically lambasting uh, Microsoft for their always online DRM, uh, for all their policies that they were enacting with used games and and all the terrible ideas that Microsoft was throwing on Xbox One, they basically hammered away at that at that first E3 event. I will never, ever forget that first E3 event with 
uh, Jack Tretton walking out on stage and to the tune of Radioactive from Imagine Dragons, and they just blew, they essentially blew Microsoft out of the it's water. It's considered one of the best E3 conferences of all time. It, Rightfully so, because of yeah. how hard they came at it. Absolutely. Yeah. It was the most direct uh interaction to another competitor i've ever seen was, yeah. in my life and the whole used game thing that came about like literally uh hours before the show they shuhei yoshida and adam boys uh filmed that little scene and they added that in at the last minute which brilliant marketing idea i don't necessarily agree that what they were saying about like that kind of stuff was accurate because I was excited about some of the things Microsoft was announcing, like the used game stuff. I totally got why people were pissed about that, but I was excited because you could buy a physical copy and they would essentially convert it into a digital copy. And that's why I was excited for that because they were taking your game code and putting it into a console where it converts it to a digital code and you can't trade that back in, but then you have the convenience of having it as a digital game. That's what I was excited for, but I, I totally got why people weren't in, into that. So I know so. we're like discussing at least like the very beginning before even the consoles are out, but yeah. like uh, how I feel right now with this generation, I rank it slightly below the PS2 Xbox GameCube uh, generation. Um, I think uh, personally, for me, this has been the strongest generation of first-party st- titles from all ends, um, with some weaker ones, obviously, thrown in there. Now, Microsoft doesn't have as many as Sony, um, but they do have some memorable ones, even indies, such as Ori, originally. Yep. Um, Cuphead, uh, Forza Inside. Series has pretty much taken over Gran Turismo's space in the racing market, or the sim racing market. Um, yep. They still hit on all cylinders with Halo, minus the story. Um, and Gears, they had two Gears that came out during this entire saga. And PlayStation, it seems like a solid three years straight, they've just been hitting on all cylinders with their first party. Spider-Man, God of War, Bloodborne. I know that's not first Horizon party, but Zero it's awesome. Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted. Ratchet & Clank, now Uncharted, um, Detroit. All these games came out to critical acclaim. Maybe not some, all, all of them gave a lot of uh, exposure to fans as far as sales go, but they... They showed why first parties are so important. Um, I know Uncharted, actually, Uncharted 4 has a very high attached rate with PlayStation 4. I think it's about 10 million Uncharted 4s have sold, which is huge for first party. Let's not, there's about 100 million PlayStation 4s out there. Yeah. That is very huge. So it's great to see that whatever the success is, we all were talking about how Microsoft bought all these companies, how Sony just bought Insomniac. Like, okay, why are they doing this when we all know that third party is really king because that's what sells on consoles, like Call of Duty, um, Fortnite, even though I know it's not a game that you actually pay for, but you do with micros. Right. Um, but it just shows the importance of first party because it gives your platform so much more exposure. And I think going into this next generation – you're going to see both companies rely heavily now on names they've invested in. Yeah. Halo, obviously, it, you guys are... You guys act like you're part of that. Yeah, yeah but, you guys. <laughs> Halo has been marketed as this rebirth of a franchise. Yeah. Um, everyone expects Horizon Zero Dawn 2 to be yeah. a launch title. And that's actually an interesting point because... Uh, I was listening to this past week's episode of Game Scoop, and they were talking about next generation and like what the launch lineup's going to look like. And I feel like they were missing some huge things. Like, yes, PlayStation Five is looking very good with possibly Spider-Man Two, depending on how quickly Insomniac can push that out. It might be soon. soon. Yeah, it might be too soon. It might be a year after that, but. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, like you said. Uh, God of War 2, probably too soon. Uh, un- whatever Last of Us remastered, Last, Last of Us 2 ram- remastered, that could get like a up on PS5. The I, downfall is the backwards compatibility that's already been confirmed. 100% yeah. get it, but they did the same thing with PS3, even though there isn't backwards compatibility, but they did the same thing on like Xbox with Bioshock. Bioshock games are backwards compatible, but they still had a remastered collection. So, they suckered me into that collection, by the way. Yeah, so they did me too. I love Bioshock. But 
the interesting thing is all those games lined up against Microsoft has Halo Infinite, which is, mind you, the only confirmed launch title for either console. Halo Infinite has already been confirmed to launch with Scarlet. Uh, Forza 8, you would sur- surmise, would be on there because that's the next mainline entry, and they've given they've actually given Turn 10 an extra year on that too because there was no Forza game this year. Yeah. So... Forza 8, Halo Infinite, and who knows what else we could get. Well, we I mean, you Fable don't. Or you're not whatever. gonna have to obviously because it's already. It, this was confirmed a long time ago because yeah. how Phil Spencer um, said it. But like, obviously, the games that you have now, you're gonna be able to play on your Scarlet. Yeah. Because now the Xbox they're looking at it as a platform, so is PlayStation going forward. Yeah. Um, I, I I I love that fact because it doesn't make you feel guilty for your backlog anymore. Yep. where you have to set aside and put away all your games if you happen to have physical. Yeah. Uh, I'll be curious how digital transfers over, but yeah. I'm still looking forward to and having actually, when you buy these consoles at launch, theoretically, you're going to have 50-plus titles yes. to play at launch. And that's the other thing I'll remember about this generation was Microsoft rebounded with the backwards compatibility announcements. I remember when Phil first announced Xbox 360 backwards compatibility, people were freaking ecstatic for that in the in the state in the audience for uh, that E3 it's announcement. A, that was awesome announcement. It's a great fan service. The only thing yeah. I'm curious about, and I say the same thing with PlayStation, I yeah. think we make way too big of a deal about this because I'd be curious of the numbers of people that actually That's true. do this. Again, How, I think it's a great fan service. Yes. I really do. And, I just don't know how many people go back. And it's a great it's a great thing for video game preservation because so many times you move on from a generation and you don't ever get to play that, that game again because you don't have that console anymore. That's That's, to me, the most important thing. And they've already said for Microsoft... You, you'll, we're going to have four generations of Xbox games playable on Scarlet. That's what's insane. All of them. X, original Xbox 360, Xbox One, and Scarlet games all on Scarlet. That's amazing. To me, I think Sony needs to do something like that. I, I don't disagree. think they will. I was going to say, I disagree completely. I don't think they will. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying I think they should do it i'm just see i i I don't even know if it's worth the investment personally only because i don't i don't know what the return is on it what they need to do is steal game pass but how many games are on the original playstation playstation 2 that you would love to play that you don't necessarily have access to play anymore because you don't own that console or you don't own that game anymore like that to me, I would, as someone who grew up in that generation, I would absolutely love to go back and play like Vice City on PlayStation 2. I used to play that at my cousin's house. Yes, you can play it elsewhere. There's other other and ports of PlayStation. it. There's other ports, yes, and there's other ports of it, but I'm saying like just in general, there's a lot of other games well, that... Again, that's why the, you're and I, you and I differ when it comes to backwards compatibility just because you use it as utilization, whereas I use it as in it's a cool service. I don't right. think it's something that people really go back to as much as they want to tout it. Yeah. Um, I think that's why essentially you have those services such as Game Pass or PS9, PS Now to a lesser extent uh, to where you have those options to do it, um, to play older games essentially. Well, that's uh, what I, I just think... That's what I'm saying, though, because you can still play... You have to have emulation for those games. So, like, what I'm saying is, is if they build an emulation for PlayStation One or PlayStation Two, they have an ability to bring in like PlayStation One and PlayStation Two games, if that makes sense. Microsoft, it does. I just don't see why they would do it. Right. I personally, I, but if they do like on PlayStation Now, how are it's sorry. raining in here? Yeah. If they do it on PlayStation <laughs> Now, though, they have to have a way to play it on there. Like you, you have to either emulate it or port it. Well, that would that's all. PlayStation Now is all like for the most part streaming. Now I know you can download stuff now right. too. So I, I, but you're I not don't know. streaming from a PlayStation Two console. You're streaming from their cloud services yes. that are so something has to. You have to either emulate it or you have to port it. There's, yeah. I, I just view it as in it's it's in my opinion a wasted effort yeah. just because I, I don't see yeah. the the lore to do that it, it, that's just me I, I just don't yeah. I, I and again I don't have I grew up in that time but I don't have that nostalgia either whereas you would you don't have nostalgia for old Nintendo games as I do right um, because you grew up actually in that uh, PS2 kind of generation more so than I did I 
played a hell of a lot of games on my PS2. I've just actually yeah. brought all mine from home. But I grew up so much more on my old Nintendos. Right. I don't have any of my Atari stuff anymore um, or Sega stuff. But To me, I just see it as you're investing one time in this. And if you create an emulation, uh, for instance, Xbox 360 games, Microsoft created an Xbox 360 emulator for Xbox One. That's how the Xbox 360 games are backwards compatible. It literally has an Xbox 360 emulated on the Xbox One itself. So, like, when you start a 360 game on there, you have to press a sequence of buttons to actually get the guide button to appear from 360 guide. Because if you press the Xbox One guide, it's going to pull up your Xbox One guide. So, they actually have a 360 built into the system. What I was saying is, is, like, they should just build that system for playstation 2 playstation 1 and then they could put whatever game they want on there like they would have unlimited access and it like you said it's a fan service type thing you're just going to get goodwill i understand they don't necessarily need fan service right now but to me that's just something well, i think I, I think for the most part we derail this conversation of what yeah. we want the ps5 and xbox one to have right yeah that's true xbox yeah. two we I derailed mean, it I, I think um like because i know we need to kind of get going on some stuff but uh i think also I, i'll remember this generation for starting the shared world or looter world looter world shooters yeah. looter shooters that, type things i know borderlands came out like on the ps3 xbox 360 generation but destiny, destiny. um failures of anthem uh, I mean, Destiny is going to Division. always be remembered. Division, they're going to be remembered. Rainbow Six Siege, that big comeback of that game where it launched decent, not the greatest. Games the as a service. Yeah, games as a service really took a hold in this generation. Yep. Um, we didn't get as large of a leap graphically, which I, I mentioned this last week. I don't think we're ever going to see that big of one again. It's just going to be now what features are there. Like this mm. one, at one of the best-looking launch lineup games this uh, console generation was Resogun yeah. uh, for the PlayStation. actually a PS Plus game. And it wasn't because like it was doing something graphically amazing. It was because of all those pixels that were happening. Yeah, It was so vibrant, amazing to see how all these colors and all this stuff was happening to you. And so, like, I, I think that's going to be another huge selling point. When the next Halo comes out, you're going to see even, obviously, more texture detail and stuff like that. I think we're going to see a lot more development with AI. Mm-hmm. AI is going to get a lot performance. smarter. Um, performance is going to be 60 frames a second is not going to just be the rarity. I think it's going to be the standard. Um, I'm not too caring about a 4K future. Um, I, I get that's where we're going, but, I mean, graphics have never been as important to me as a comes to performance gameplay um that's why i always love my switch because most of the time the performance is very well right um witcher 3 proves that yeah so i i think that will be something that we always do i just i i i guess if i have to just go with like my top three generations in a sense with including this one it would really be um the snes and sega genesis uh generation and then the ps2 xbox gamecube and I would actually now slide this into this gener- into the third spot. Um, I've been very happy with the things I've purchased. I've discovered a kind of like for online experiences. Apex Le- Legends, obviously, this year. And I'm continuing it on Killer Queen Black right now. Um, I-, I really think that this generation has cemented itself as one of the top ones we've had. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So, yep, that'll be cool to see. I know we kind of derailed that, but... At least we kind of got back to it a little bit. Uh, so we're going to do a top five this week to end the show. Top five celebrities and games. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting one. So it's either like cameos or even main, main headliners, characters, side characters. Yeah. Just very memorable performances that we've experienced in video games that we've played. Yep. So my first one's going to be Keith David, who is obviously the voice of the Arbiter in the entire halo series uh i just absolutely love arbiter as a character and keith david is the absolute perfect voice for that like hearing him in halo 5's uh little teaser trailer that they showed off that kind of led into the master chief collection because that was like the prologue or yeah prologue um where he was speaking over that that was so awesome to hear especially not seeing arbiter at all in halo 4 
Uh, I was extremely stoked to see him back. I hope he's going to be in Infinite. I would assume he will be, but uh, I love Keith David. And also, he was Captain Anderson in he's, the Mass Effect Wasn't franchise. he also the president in the Saints Row series? Yes, he was, yeah. actually. Yeah. Now that I was yeah. thinking about that. Yep. Uh, he was also in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, yeah. as well as your like instructor and oh, stuff. Yeah. That's where I always remembered him from. Yeah. Uh, my first one is Ray Liotta uh, in G- GTA Vice City. Oh, GTA he's, 4? Yeah. <laughs> somebody who's actually 100% in Vice City yeah um, so Vice City is known as the 80s GTA it is so actually good. probably my favorite GTA that was on the PS2 generation uh, the music was amazing uh, even the lighting as much as it got annoying to you when you were driving and the sun beamed right into you it was still great this is the first time a GTA game had the you as the main protagonist have a voice and it was Ray Liotta who if you guys all know Goodfellas fame um, he's been a lot of other stuff, but he's like a quintessential mobster. Uh, but he played him. He played your main character so good. The uh, the voice acting was so well done. I, I just I really did feel like I was in an eighties gangster movie with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I just won't ever forget that game, and also just the amount of side character celebrity stuff they had too. Because I, if I remember right, Martin Scorsese was a voice as well in that game, but. Ray Liotta definitely made your experience in Vice City so much better. Let's get a Vice City 2, please. Like, I would be a thousand percent. I would be more on board with that than a GTA 6. Yes, I agree. I I think that would be so amazing. And they did what they needed to do with GTA 5. That already pushed the limits of that world, so I would love, yes. I think that would be so amazing. Yeah. So my next one is Martin Sheen from Mass Effect 2. So he played the elusive man, which was kind of the main uh, antagonist in Mass Effect 2. Uh, I really liked how he uh, kind of displayed like his dominance in that game. He kind of uh, he kind of starts the game with making you think he's on your side, um, but in reality, obviously, you learn that he's kind of got his own agenda. And Martin Sheen was really the perfect cast for that role. Which is funny, because obviously, like we said, I've never played Mass Effect, but Martin yeah. Sheen is obviously an older actor. He was the president of the West Wing. He was in Platoon. Yeah. Um, so he's not like really what you think of as a video game or a voice actor. So it's yeah. actually kind of cool that it that is, was one of your favorite performances. It is super cool. Um, this actually I stole from you, because you had no idea even about it. I had to tell you about it. That's true. Um, so Conan, Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter in Halo 4... Yeah. They make a cameo appearance. Uh, it's kind of like an Easter egg you have to find, though. Uh, I believe it's in the last mission um, yeah. in the hangar. You have to go basically a separate way than from the mission, and you actually see the two of them. Um, they're dressed as uh, Spartans, or not Spartans, um, just Marines. officers. Yeah, Marines. Yeah. Um, and they are basically having the dumbest conversation in the world. Um, I actually got, I didn't even know about this when I played Halo 4. I went back to this after watching a Clueless Gamer with him. Yeah. Um, and he kind of exposed himself on there. Uh, but it's just a really funny conversation in a otherwise serious game. Yep. So I, I just, I love that fact that somebody who hates games, he's, he's been on record saying he hates games. Yeah. And he's terrible at them too. But it's just funny that he's like basically screwing with the Halo universe yeah. by doing his little shtick. And I'm ashamed that I didn't know about that. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? He took down every one of his Halo posters, but he put them back up. Uh, <laughs> I would never take them down. Uh, so my next one is a big one, and it's kind of a uh, cheating one, I guess you could say, but it's kind of not cheating. But Mark Hamill as the Joker in the entire Arkham series. Mark Hamill is just freaking incredible joker in my opinion mark hamill is what you think of when you think of joker despite heath ledger had an amazing performance in the dark knight and i love heath ledger's joker but i will always think of mark hamill as being the joker because that voice is so iconic because of the batman anime series that's all that's sure. the reason why i said it's unfair because i always view him as that instead of the arkham true but it's all the same he all he sounds phenomenal in in all of that and he really fits the bill perfectly yeah. for joker uh my uh next one i actually am kind of gonna rank all, this in a way by my last one's my number one altogether. uh my next one is samuel jackson in gta san andreas um so everyone knows samuel jackson i'm uh, tired of these mother snakes on this your audio was cutting out i didn't hear what you said yeah, exactly uh so Samuel Jackson played a corrupt cop in GTA San Andreas. Um, it's like 
somebody tan penny i can't remember the first name but anyways he like really owned that character like the first time he is on screen in the game i think i can't remember what mission it was or anything like that you're like that's samuel jackson and then he just really comes into his own um he becomes pretty much the main villain of san andreas he's the one that uh when you leave the first part of san andreas he's the one that basically kidnaps you and takes you to a uh, different part of the map itself by drugging you and all this stuff so it frank. was just frank tanpenny yeah yeah so it was just really awesome to see that he had such a major role in this game yep so uh my next one is kind of a uh big one as well gary oldman who played victor lesnoff in Call of Duty World at War and Call of Duty Black Ops. So he played the same character in both uh, both games. He was a younger version of himself, obviously, in World at War. And then he appeared again in Black Ops. And Victor Reznov was just such an amazing character. And it even lent itself to the crazy story that Black Ops had. And it really tied it up in a way that really like made you think like it was it was super cool how they ended that whole thing and his character was such a crazy character i just loved it i loved every bit of gary oldman i could just he also played gary... some dragons in spire of the dragon games yeah yeah <laughs> gary oldman's great though uh my next one is Haley joel osmond uh for kingdom hearts um basically if you don't know who he is i mean first he was actually in a few episodes of the boys that was on amazon prime this year uh but he's most known for six cents um so i'm talking about back when he was the original actor for the first kingdom hearts um it was a pretty big deal with who they got they got him david gallagher from seventh heaven and handed panettiere mm-hmm. um and Haley joel osmond really is sora in my mind his voice is so iconic with that because it's such a soft childlike voice and it's full of wonder and intrigue and that was a it was very rare to get a fully voiced square game at that point um so that was really cool not only to have but to see it acted so well especially with the translation from japanese to english with all that stuff but it really like captured that essence of that game especially like his little combat stuff in between when you were fighting things you really took on a part of being sora sure so my last one is probably my biggest one and it wasn't one that i thought of initially we were kind of reading through some and then you're like oh this one i was like uh yes please love me some nathan fillion and the thing is nathan fillion and all of his video game voice actor roles like he's not even necessarily supposed to be like a video game voice actor he's a actor on tv that kind of got pulled into games watch firefly if you ever get a chance yes jesus he got pulled into games at an early time because he actually voices a ton of unnamed characters in halo the entire halo series like halo 1 halo 2 halo 3 he voices many unknown characters in those three games then Halo 3 ODST comes around, and Bungie's like, let's basically put together the cast of Firefly and get them to do Halo 3 ODST, because they had a ton of people from Firefly that was on in the voice cast of ODST, and he originally voiced Buck in that, and I absolutely love Buck. I love his humor. I love his attitude. I just love everything about it. It feels very Nathan Fillion, Fillion-y if that makes sense. He's but a big gamer, too, he, from what I've heard. Yes, and also he voices Cade 6 in Destiny, mm-hmm. which is a very similar character to Buck from Halo, which is what I love. I just love that character. I love everything Nathan Fillion does. I, I would like, before I go to my last one, I would like to give a special shout-out to Kamel uh, Nanjiani uh, from Silicon Valley, and he's done a bunch of other stuff. He was in Stuber yeah. uh, that came out this year, but he actually voiced a orc and the last shadow uh yes he did and like i heard about that so i made him make sure that he was my minion yeah and i always had him with me in battles it was so funny yeah that is great (laughs) yeah um but my number one is actually vin diesel uh from chronicles of riddick uh which it's really hard to kind of like maybe think about that and put that together but during the original xbox days this was a huge seller in my opinion for getting an xbox Mm -hmm. uh because of how realistic they really went with Vin Diesel's character. Chronicles of Riddick is not that much of a successful franchise, but it's one that he's very well known for. 
Um, and that game translated so well, Escape from Butcher Bay, and even the second one did too that came out on the PS3, Xbox 360 generation. Um, he did so well owning that character inside of a video game. And yeah, it just, it translated so well. It looked dead on him. The mannerisms were exactly like him. The dialogue that he helped create actually in the game, because he's an executive producer of the movies. Right. uh, He got a lot of say in it and it, it felt so natural for him as that character to do. Um, I look at that as my like quintessential. That's how a celebrity does a game. If you want to be inside of a game, you take something that will work. You don't just create something in my opinion. But it just, that all hands down. If they ever do another Chronicles of Riddick game, I will 100% buy it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And all of these people that we just listed, I feel like, have that power. Like, all of these characters that we just listed, uh, with the exception of, like, Conan, because that was just like a Conan, Conan was a spoof, but I yeah. just loved it. I thought yes. it was hilarious. Yes, but all of these other people, like, they have amazing performances. So, like, these are quintessential yes. Hollywood actors. And as you can tell, there's other there's other voice actors besides Troy Baker, Nolan uh, North, yes. uh, Laura, Laura Bailey. Bailey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not just those three that take over the entire universe. Hell, Laura Bailey, she voices two very big characters. Well, I, I shouldn't say very big, but two main characters in Halo 5 and, and Gears 5 slash 4 because uh, she voices um, uh, Kelly in uh, Halo 5. Or Kelly or Linda. And I think Kelly. Ashley Johnson's coming on strong these days too. Last yes, of Us. Yeah. I think she's done more than just The Last of Us now at this point. Yes. Um, and she did obviously very well as Ellie. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of actors. Actually, honestly, because she technically was in a 90s series, that should have been one of ours. Ashley Johnson as Ellie. Even though she's only had one game to her credit, but yeah. still, she did very good. True. And I can't wait for Last of Us 2 with her oh, mostly in it. It's going to be amazing. So. Uh, that's it guys that's the end of our show uh thank you to everyone who's uh following along live uh remember you guys can always join us wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern time uh we are live on youtube or search podcast pxn uh we really appreciate you guys coming out and we will see you guys next week deuces